Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shinise O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I would like to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is in the field of architecture. Hi. Hi, and uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you so much for being willing to participate in something that is anonymous. Um, When I first told you about it being anonymous, how did you feel about that? Anonymity wasn't really the issue, but I do think that focusing on the sort of the points that we're trying to make as women in STEM is probably more important than you know, what our CV says or what we look like or various other sorts of achievements which kind of detract. Definitely. I think as women, there are so many things that come before education and our kind of internal skill set. I mean, looks is one of those things. Is that something that you're aware of as being a woman in STEM? I think one thing that I am aware of as a woman in something like STEM is just the natural tensions sounds like a bit of a negative way of putting it but it's sort of the natural tensions between men and women in subjects in STEM because at the end of the day biologically there will always be that sort of um, dynamic between the man and the woman so I think when you're in industries which are a bit more male dominated you can sometimes feel the pressure of being a woman in STEM. I don't think the superficial has ever really been a problem or got in my way as such. So let's go back to the beginning, you're in architecture. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm not really sure exactly what an architect does. Can you explain in a nutshell what your day job is like? It's actually quite hard to um, explain it in a nutshell, because it's quite a diverse subject. So uh, for me, in my day job, I spend a lot of my time sort of conceptualising and, and realising on a visual um, basis ideas. So my day is largely spent trying to translate ideas in my head onto the paper, whether it's graphical or um, some kind of rendering or even a diagram. So it's a lot about translation and explaining an idea to somebody that's not necessarily within the industry. Yeah, when I first asked you to be on this podcast, um, I don't think I'm out of turn in revealing this. You said, but I'm not really in STEM. But surely architecture does use a lot of technology, especially these days. I think my industry is hugely driven by technology. And actually, where we are in architecture today is is quite an interesting point in history, because there's a massive debate happening at the moment about um, some technological software, which basically draws the building for you. And it's sort of largely about formulae and inputting numbers it's a kind of a more of a number crunching exercise and there are people in the camp where they're for this kind of thing and then there are others like me that feel that architecture 
should still have that sort of human touch. And it's not just about generating forms using computers. It's actually about understanding people and drawing with your hands, making with your hands and sort of having, as I said, more of a human element to it. Do I detect a certain level of dismay that you might be in a STEM field? Is that what you signed up for when you started studying architecture? Well, I think the the issue right now is that architecture will always be a sort of a somewhere in the middle between science and the arts, which is something that I love about what I do. And I am, uh, I have uh, an ability to sort of use my maths brain, but also be very, very creative. So I actually really enjoy that about my subject. But I think where the dissatisfaction lies, is I don't think it should be wholly driven by technology. And I don't think that technology should be sort of like outweighing um, the more creative human aspect of what architecture is about. I love the fact that architecture involves the sciences and the arts and I think that will always be a great part of what I do. I don't think that it's maybe the most obvious STEM subject but it's it's you know it overlaps. What were you like as a kid? Was it obvious that you'd end up in architecture? It's interesting because I think um, I always had this word architect in my head. I think you know it comes from my dad. He was he is actually within the industry but from a more science sort of point of view and there's this word architect um sort of came about and it was something that I liked the sound of I don't think I really knew what it meant until sort of I got a bit older talked to career advisors and then it seemed to match the sort of things that I was good at which was arts and maths and being quite creative it started off as a word it evolved into uh, a subject which I could sort of relate to and feel that I could be good at and then it just sort of went from there the more I learned about architecture the more I realised that it was something that could be, you know, something I could really enjoy, basically. I relate to that. When I was a kid, I was like totally into Lego and I was always taking my toys apart to figure out how they functioned. Were there any clues in your childhood which suggested that this career as an architect was really the one for you? Clues. The thing with architecture is that I think you can come at it from all walks of life. I don't think you have to necessarily be good at any one thing in order to become an architect. It's It's a very sort of humanitarian, if you like, subject. It's all about people. And I think for me, it was just this understanding that I enjoyed certain subjects in maths, like geometry. That was where my strengths were. But also, I, you know, on the weekends or uh, after school, I would spend a lot of my time just sort of making things. And I think it's that natural desire to just create and realise something and you know, have an idea in your head, but then actually turn it into something physical. I think that for me was where it became obvious that something like architecture could be a really, really great fit. What's your environment like, your working environment? Like, is it very male-dominated? What are the statistics? Do you know? Well, I've actually just had a look um, at the latest statistics, and it's actually 21% of the industry within the UK is female. This is for architects um, specifically. So that's quite a high percentage, because when I was studying architecture, it wasn't actually that high. So it's on the increase, which is great. For me, when I was studying and, and even working all, all through my career so far, I've never really noticed a massive sort of gender issue or gap or anything like that. It's always been quite a balanced environment, but I think that that might have a lot to do with the fact that architecture and all the things that surround architecture are quite multidisciplinary. So 
we have a lot of graphic designers and interior designers and engineers and various other sort of specialists and consultants working alongside us. And I think that sort of helps with the balance. Okay, so you don't feel as a woman in STEM sort of outnumbered then? I've I've not felt outnumbered up to this point. I would say that men tend to dominate the sort of more senior roles. But I think that's, you know, for other issues, largely to do with the natural sort of cycle of a woman's life, you know, going away to have kids or, you know, sort of pursue more of a family life. That's really interesting because some STEM fields seem to be more sort of woman-friendly than others. Would you say that architecture is encouraging of women Does it give them a fair chance to do as many sort of female-oriented things uh, as possible? With architecture, it's a long haul. It's a long haul course. It's it's a long haul in order to get sort of somewhere within within the industry. In fact, they say that you're sort of peaking in architecture in your 40s and 50s. So there's a quite a long span of time before you actually get somewhere and become somebody in the field. And so I think from that respect, it's actually a little bit difficult for women to commit to something like architecture. But having said that, on the flip side, it really depends how you practice the subject. So you might actually um, go off and start your own company, for example, or you might decide to focus your attentions more on interiors, which is slightly less demanding than full architecture. So I think that there are ways within the industry where you can have a more balanced lifestyle. I don't really think that's possible in the commercial sector. So if you're working for a big company, and you're trying to climb up some corporate ladder, as with any industry, you know, you have to commit, you have to make compromises with other things you want to do in order to get those higher roles. And I think that's the reason why possibly you see less women in those roles, because it's a huge um, compromise to get there. And it generally means perhaps not having a family, or if you do have a family, then you don't perhaps have a lot of time to dedicate to your family. So what's been your journey to get to the point at which you're at with your career? Well, um, I sort of did things quite by the book. I, you know, at A-level, I studied um, subjects which, well, it was maths, physics, um, design technology, and French. So, you know, three of the subjects quite obviously good for something like architecture, went to university with those subjects, went to architecture school and did it uh, all the way through and then came out and went straight into practice. So, you know, my um, career so far has has been pretty standard in terms of how an architect progresses through the industry. But now I'm actually um, running my own practice. And I think that that's slightly different because a lot of people tend to choose to stay within realms of employment within this industry um there's a lot of competition out there and running a practice um is not necessarily the easiest way to do it what made you decide to become independent i think it is that desire to have a bit of flexibility in my life um working within practice the hours are long and they will always be very long and the and the pay is very low it's not that you cannot earn a lot of money doing this sort of job it's more that if you're within the commercial world you're you're quite limited there are a lot of architects out there and there are a lot of architects looking for jobs men and women so it's a very saturated market and i think that for me a combination of the fact that i enjoy leading from the front so i like to be the one delegating to teams i like to be sort of the one in control but it was also that additional desire to have flexibility in life the ability to earn more money and 
support myself more independently comes with its stresses. So it's an even bigger commitment than working for a company. And I would say that for now, um, there's really no scope to, for example, start a family because starting a company takes up all of my time. But later on, if I gain momentum and things are going well, I think there'll be a massive scope to have a more balanced lifestyle, more of a balance than you possibly would have your employed. What's it like being a woman in such a saturated industry? I don't really see it as being a woman or being a man. I don't notice the gender issue. I think it's neither here nor there, really, within my industry. It's challenging for both men and women. So you don't feel disadvantaged in any way for being female then? I think there'll always be a slight disadvantage to any woman in a male-dominated industry because, again, it's going back to that thing I was talking about previously about the tensions between men and women. A key example would be just not really being able to go and grab a beer with your boss on a Friday night, which is something that probably your male counterpart could probably do quite easily. And then you have your conversations, you get friendly, and it's easier for your boss to understand who you are and to you know, be more on your team when it comes to promotions or raises and things like that. I think for a woman, unless you have female bosses, it's quite difficult to have that personal relationship with yours, with the seniors above you, and therefore to 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 have them understand your needs. And I think so far in industry, it's always been a bit of a challenge trying to get those raises or get the um, promotions because my bosses don't really know that much about me um, because there's that inability to really connect. You said that men and women in architecture reach their prime around the age of 40 or 50. That isn't really compatible with our biological clocks. So should it be a given that if you go into something like architecture and you're really trying to work your way up the career ladder in the conventional way, that you should just take the option of having a family off the table? No, I don't think it's that extreme. I think that it's compromise. So, for example, you know, when you're in your 30s and you're sort of well on your way in architecture and you decide, OK, I do you know, want to have children, I want to get married, then it might just be that you need to take your foot off the pedal a little bit within industry, which might mean that you won't get the raise or the promotion as quickly as, for example, a male counterpart that doesn't necessarily need to take their foot off the pedal and they are still able to have kids and start families. I don't think you would have to deny yourself these things, but I do think that it's very difficult to have it all. Um, Architecture is a highly, um, let's say, requires a lot of determination, a lot of commitment and... I would say, like, just from my point of view, it would be very difficult to raise children whilst also climbing up some kind of corporate ladder or, you know, running a company. Unless, of course, if you had some help, which, you know, in various parts of the world, that's a very feasible option. Do you think this concept of having it all is an architectural issue or just generally an issue for women that want to work? I think it's the last one that you say, because I think whether you are, you know, a pop star or, um, you know, an architect, a doctor, whatever you are, STEM-related or not, if you want to pursue something, follow it to a degree where you're highly successful, then it's a commitment. And I think that when you have children, just from listening to other friends of mine who have had kids, your perspective changes a little bit. So once you've had a child, you realise, in a way, there's kind of more to life than a career. I haven't had kids myself, so I don't really know what it feels like to want to put something else first. 
But for me, my career right now is everything. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you um, haven't thought about having a family. Like, what is driving you to push so hard in your career? Partly the subject that I do, because I think that, as I said, with architecture, it takes time. It takes patience and it takes a lot of practice and reiterating and all that sort of stuff. And this is something where, you know, you can't be, Rome wasn't built in a day and you can't be a very good architect as soon as you uh, finish school. You know, it takes decades worth of practice and experience. Um, And I think it's almost sort of um, giving myself the opportunity to just, be good at something that I'm very passionate about. I don't feel that um, committing to something else would give me that opportunity. Maybe later on in life, in hindsight, I may, I may feel that I've missed out on something if I don't have kids or if I don't get married. But then you you make your choices. And again, it's, it's largely about compromise. I, I don't really have the answer right now. I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing. I don't know whether I'll make, have any regrets. But what I do know is that I'm very interested in what I'm doing. I'm enjoying it. And I think the minute that changes then maybe it's time to rethink the plan have any of your choices career-wise been influenced by role models um you know my parents are the biggest role models in my life uh both my parents are very driven very stubborn people they when they have ideas they follow through i think i've got that from them when i want to achieve something i'm very keen to get there at the expense of other things as well so i'd say my parents are sort of the bigger role models in my life but of course Seeing any woman who, whatever she's doing, whether it's STEM related or not, seeing any woman passionate about a subject and really fighting for a cause will always be inspiring to me. Who inspires you? I've always thought that a woman who doesn't shout too loud, but when she has something to say, it does have a lot of depth and a lot of substance to it. Those are the kinds of women that have always sort of made me look up and listen, because I really do believe that it's a, it's a woman that has something of substance to say that will make the greatest impact. Uh, I, I think that's, I, I feel the same way with men as well, but just speaking about women specifically, when there's something of depth there, then it really does make me sort of sit up and listen to that. And there are various women, some in politics, some obviously in architecture, and others who are humanitarians, um, who, who have those sorts of traits. Um, so you're not necessarily going to hear from them all year long, but when you do hear from them, you know it's going to be something highly interesting and impactful. Do you think women have to fight harder to be heard? No, I think that a lot of women, well, it seems to me, I'm generalising, but it seems to me that a lot of women think that they have to fight harder to be heard when really I think any women will be heard if they have something interesting to say. So I think it's a, a misconception that a woman has to fight harder to be heard. So in terms of, you know, your work within architecture, you don't feel that your work is received differently because you're a woman then? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think the work itself, that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. If the work is good, the work is good. And I think anyone will appreciate that. But I think where it does get quite interesting and maybe a bit challenging for women is face-to-face interactions. So, for example... You know, I've been in many situations where I've been in a boardroom and there have been, say, like 12 guys around the table and me. Those can be quite sort of interesting and challenging situations because I've noticed that as soon as I walk into the room as a woman, the dynamic will change, uh, the vibe changes, the atmosphere changes. And I think that there are some men out there that feel almost relieved that a woman's presence might be included in something, in a scenario like that. But then there are other men that maybe feel a little bit um, 
insecure about it because it's very difficult I think these days in particular for a man to know how to treat a woman without being inappropriate or um, being considered to be inappropriate we're living kind of in a day and age where things are a little bit touch and go so um, I think women who are in male-dominated industries can often make other men feel quite uncomfortable and I think that's sort of where the challenges are. Gosh that's so interesting that you know maybe we're making men feel uncomfortable just purely by being female. As a result of being aware of that, do you think you've had to develop um, certain tools or characteristics for being in a male-dominated environment? Yes, I mean, definitely. It's actually been a really fun aspect of what I do because, I mean, I've actually always been a bit of a tomboy growing up, so I've always kind of preferred hanging out with the guys. But now that I'm a professional and, you know, uh, I, I am very much in touch with my feminine side as well, more so than when I was a kid. So I like to wear um, feminine clothes um, and I like to look nice and all of this sort of stuff. And so when, I'm turning, when I turn up, for example, on site, um, there is a big difference between, say, me and then male contractors and um, other specialists on site. So I think what I've had to develop it's just that ability to make other people feel more comfortable and let them know that it's okay for a little sort of banter. It's okay for the odd, uh, you know, inappropriate remark. Like, I'm not going to take offence. Um, I think the key is that I've shown that I'm relaxed um, and that I'm not, you know, looking to cause an issue when, you know, men in male-dominated environments behave a certain way. I'm okay with that. It's just about making other people feel more relaxed. But do you feel in trying to make other people feel more relaxed that you're having to compromise who you are? No, in fact, I think it's been an added facet to who I am because previously I could describe myself as maybe a little bit more uptight or a little bit uh, wary. But now that I've accepted that boys will be boys on site, for example, and when I'm coming into their domain as a female architect, I just have to chill out more and be a bit more relaxed. Actually, it's given me the opportunity to sort of add a more softer side to who I am. What have you observed to be the differences between men and women in the workplace? The men are definitely a bit more sure of themselves, in, in my experience, than women. I find with my female colleagues and myself, actually, we all tend to try and really understand what it is we're talking about before we say anything. Whereas I've noticed, and this is a generalisation, but I'm just saying sort of what I've noticed, um, that men tend to sort of feel pretty comfortable with just kind of like talking and speaking without necessarily knowing if they're correct. The bigger difference is maybe men have a bit more confidence from the get-go. Women sort of develop it at a slightly slower pace. It's interesting that you observe that in the workplace because I think that really happens early on in life. Um, I think, you know... Girls and boys in co-ed schools um, really do feel the effects of that. Um, is that something you noticed early on, uh, you know, in your school days? I think I was actually more um, preoccupied by the fact that I was was not strong at some subjects that boy other boys and girls were. I don't think it was. It didn't really matter to me whether somebody was a boy or a girl. I think. I've never, honestly, I've never really noticed a gender issue in all my lifetime. Uh, maybe I've been lucky, but 
I've been, I have felt just as disadvantaged by or, or insecure by women as I have by, by men. So what do you think the root of the insecurity is then? Well, growing up was very different now. So growing up was just, you know, obviously you know, feeling your way through your kidhood and then puberty. I mean, it was obviously always going to be a bit of a tough time. But now the insecurities um, just lie in wanting to be the best one can be. So uh, I recently was um, at an award ceremony for a project and we, we had to give um, sort of little, little speeches about our projects and it was the male architects that just seemed a lot more extrovert and in comparison I, I was quite shy um, even though you know I had a successful project and I had nothing really to be shy about. Not really sure what that's about. It could just be simply that I know that I've still got a long way to go in my industry. You know, I'm sort of mid-30s. I'm aware that life of an architect gets, you reach your prime much later. So I've still got a lot of learning to do. And maybe that's where the lack of confidence is. Do you think women put a lot of pressure on themselves to achieve beyond what's humanly possible? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that would be a generalisation. Because I, I also know women who aspire to become good wives and good mums. And I think that in itself is a career, but it's not necessarily going to take you to the moon and back, you know. So it's it's a tricky one. I think we are living in a sort of a day and age where women can basically do everything now men can do. I don't actually think that that's been going for a very long time. I think it's almost quite recent because it's only within the last, say, I don't know, 50 to 100 years that we've really been able to take their careers very seriously and be very driven and ambitious. I don't think we're trying to achieve the impossible, but I think we are, there are many of us that are obviously trying to stretch our legs and really grow and, and achieve something. And how much of that involves confidence, in your opinion? I mean, confidence grows. For me, especially, I feel like confidence has been something that's really evolved and is still evolving. I wasn't a very confident child. I would say now I'm probably my most confident that I've ever been, but I feel like I've still got a long way to go. Why were you not a confident child? I just, you know, it was part of who I was. I, I didn't, I, I'm the, I was definitely the kind of child who was very sort of cautious. You know, I needed to tread quite carefully and know, know what I was doing before I was sure about what I was doing. And I know kids that, you know, will just, you know, run and jump into a pool, whereas I needed to know sort of whether it was the deep end or, or the shallow end, you know, that kind of thing before I did anything. So um, I'm not, I was never that sort of um, happy-go-lucky, take a chance, take a risk kind of a kid. And I think that's sort of come with me all the way through to now. And even now I'm very, very cautious and, and very um, careful about doing things in a way I believe is the right way. I don't know whether that's specific to girls. Um, obviously, I think people will analyse and say boys are more risk-takers. Um so, yeah, maybe, maybe that is a difference between men and women. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of talk about gender difference, um, but there's also a kind of opinion that gender is talked about too much and that we should just let people do what they want and not try and differentiate. What's your opinion on that? I completely agree with that. I mean, honestly, I've never really differentiated myself. I've, I've never really thought, oh, I'm a woman. So, you know, that means this, that and the other. I've just done what it is I want to do, regardless of gender. And 
you know, I think the only time like, I ever really noticed gender was playing sports. And I, I'm, I was a very sporty kid and I'm still sporty now. But I think that's the only time I've ever really recognised that I'm a woman because, you know, as a woman, you can't necessarily run as fast as a man and you can't necessarily throw as far. And I think that does sort of like put things into a slight perspective, but it's all physical. Most of what we do in life is actually more of a mental process. So I think from a mental point of view, or, um, where it comes to, when it comes to using the brain, there is no real uh, limitation to what we can achieve as men or women. So why do you think women generally don't do uh, what are considered to be male-dominated subjects then? Like what, what's stopping them? I think that there are some STEM subjects that maybe don't have uh, a more, say, glamorous side to them. And I think women tend to be more attracted. And again, this is a generalization, but I think that women tend to be attracted to careers where you're not necessarily in your still toe cap boots and hard hat or, you know, locked up in a lab or in a field, you know, taking a sample or something. So, again, massive generalisation, but it could have something to do with the way STEM subjects um, are practised. Do you ever wonder why the statistics are not 50% women in architecture? No, because um, I do think that women will always have the challenge of having to decide whether they want to have a family and raise a family. And I think that's often a decision that's made in your 20s. So, and that's obviously a time when you're sort of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a a moment where you're going to pick your career or you're going to pick family over the career. And I think men don't have that choice. Men can do both at the same time. So I think the statistics, to me, could possibly reflect the fact that women have to make that really difficult choice in life. What are your aspirations for your career future? I mean, you've started your own company. Did you choose to do that because you want to have more in terms of, you know, what a woman can achieve in her lifetime? I started my own company, as I said, because I prefer to be the one leading. But it, I'm aware that it would, it will give me more flexibility if I'm successful. It's, it wasn't just about questions like kids and marriage and all that it was more a a question of freedom I am the kind of person I like to have my freedom and my aspirations are just to you know ideally my career turns into more of a pastime where I'm earning but I can also have a more balanced life I didn't like the fact that when I was employed I was literally sort of working almost like in a factory like the hours were long the money was the pay was low the um, cross-promotions and things were sort of really low and it, it just really felt quite grim. And I felt as a woman going on and on in that sort of situation meant that I wouldn't be able to have really anything that I wanted. So that's why that was the big decision behind, you know, getting out of employment and becoming self-employed. What does having it all mean to you? Um, yeah, really good question because I also believe that we change. I, I have a feeling that, you know, one day I might wake up and think, you know what, I do want kids or I do want to get married but right now I don't feel those things so I'm just I'm happy pursuing my career and I think that having it all right now for me is is being successful I'm not going to sit here and say that won't change you know maybe I'll wake up one morning and think having it all actually means being successful and having a child or whatever but I think it can be like a switch 
And I do believe that just because now I feel one way doesn't mean that in the future I'm not going to feel something different. I relate to that where as we navigate through life, like our needs change, our aspirations change. So how does how are you dealing with that, considering that our biological clock does not change? I mean, in a way, it's the one burden I think I carry with me because I'm obviously aware that, you know, the older a woman gets the less scope there is for her to, to have a family and, and that sort of thing. And I think that it's a real sort of pain, really, because it's like, on the one hand, you want to be a successful career woman, but on the other hand, biologically, you've only got a certain window in which to actually become a mother. And I think that that's a real, it's almost like a little bit of a curveball, but at the same time, we, we can't change it. So for me, I don't really have the answer. Um, for me, what feels right is to pursue my career. Whether or not I can fit in all the other stuff remains to be seen. But I'm not thinking too hard about it. I'm not worrying too much about it because I really do believe that you know things happen if they're going to happen. And I've never been the kind of person that sort of tried to like plan every last detail. So I think it's very important to do what makes you happy. And I think right now the only thing that kind of satisfies me and make, makes me feel excited to get up in the morning is to do that project to you know um, think creatively for half the day and then the other half the day use my more mathematical side that kind of stuff really really satisfies me so for now I think that's enough there are lots of different options for having a family for a woman but we're just talking about the option of biologically having a child um, I just find it a very interesting dilemma that we're in today because even though we have technological options in terms of egg freezing and things like that. When you are pursuing a dream career, as you sound like you're doing, often our bandwidth is taken up with really wanting to be successful at that job. And so other things get pushed to one side. Have you experienced that then? I mean, it hasn't been a conscious pushing to one side. It's been more of um, a, a focus, a, such a such a deep focus on something that naturally other things have sort of gone on the back burner. But it, I don't think I ever sat down and thought, okay, uh, I want to pursue a career in architecture, so I'm going to have to put kids and marriage and things like that on hold. By the way, that's not to say, obviously, you know, if you're an artist, there's still room, you know, getting married is not a big deal. Um, it's the kids thing. But... Um, like for me, I, it was never really sort of such a conscious choice. It was more just, I've been pursuing my career and pursuing and pursuing and almost just like, you know, everything else has kind of just gone into the background. So who knows whether that will be something that I feel a bit sad about later. I'm not sure yet. So with everything that you have done up to this time, career-wise, what advice would you give to anyone considering a career in STEM or even specifically a career in architecture? For architecture I think it's a fantastic subject if you really do feel that you can use both sides of your brain. I think that architecture generally is is a mix of the science, sciences and the arts and I think it's a very special mix and I would, I would highly recommend it to anyone that feels that maybe uh, a STEM subject, which is very sciencey, maybe won't necessarily satisfy and they need something a bit more creative, but architecture does actually have that side to it. As a career, whether you're employed or self-employed, it is a nice, uh, it is a, a sort of a, a very engaging and satisfying 
industry to be in because there are so many facets to it. You know, it's, phys- it's quite physical in terms of getting on site. It's also quite sort of focused when you're actually working on a drawing and, you know, you can almost shut off from the world. So it's, it's really kind of versatile in that sense. But again, the hours can be long. The pay is typically very low. I don't think it's something you would choose if you want to be you know, gazillionaire. I mean, in terms of literally looking back on your life, what have been the highlights of your career? And, you know, if someone was to say to you now, you know, they're young and they're they're just embarking on, you know, choosing subjects at school because they want to be like you one day, what would you tell them that you would have wanted to hear when you were in their shoes? Well, I don't know what I would have wanted to hear, but what I can say about architecture, and this is really very honest about what I do is that it just gets better and better as every day passes honestly I can I can say that from the bottom of my heart it's it's a subject which starts off really tough and then the more you pursue it the more you do it it just gets better and better and I think that a lot of people because of how tough it is of how tough it is in the beginning they quit or they jump ship whatever but if you do stick with it and you just fight through the tough times and you you kind of pursue it. I can guarantee you that it just just gets really very interesting, and the the more you do it, the more interesting it gets. So I, I would say when you say what's the highlight of your career so far, I'm saying like every the next day is the highlight of my career. It's always about the next day. Yeah, I would I really encourage anyone, boy or girl, to get into it because it's a lifelong career. It's not uh, it's not a short haul career. Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of highlight the benefits of the struggle Um, because I think today we live in a culture where if something's hard you simply just quit and move on to something that is more in alignment you know or just flows more easily what's your opinion on that approach that some people have there are some subjects where you do actually have to be very good very quickly architecture is not one of those things architecture takes practice it takes experience it's life experiences it takes time it's a lifetime sort of a career and i think the the best way to practice architecture is to give yourself time to get good at it and i think there are other subjects where you don't really have that luxury yeah i i just find that really fascinating actually because i've never really thought about how patient you do have to be in stem And I'm wondering actually whether that patience and kind of that sort of you're in it for the long haul uh, mentality of STEM subjects generally is something that is off-putting to people today or women today, dare I say that? Like the science subjects are a long-term game. Um, And I've never actually thought about that until this conversation, which is fantastic. But I wonder if that is something that puts people off. What do you think? Um, I think for me, I didn't realise how much sort of um, investment that you have to really make into something like architecture to see rewards in a way, because I think nobody really tells you that part. And I think something like architecture is a long-term commitment you really come into your own and start to be sort of top of your game in maybe your 40s or 50s and so it really is kind of like you know it's um you, you have to put in the time and the effort in order to see yourself get good at basically what you're doing i'm not sure about other stem subjects i imagine it's a similar thing because it's 
you know, it's basically honing skills. It's hard being a woman, don't you think? Um, I don't think it's hard. I think the, there are obviously challenges, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are challenges with any sort of industry out there. I think STEM requires um, a commitment and it also requires an interest. Uh, it's, not, it's never going to be a job where you sort of turn up you sort of detach and then you go home and, you know, you focus on your family. I think STEM subjects are really sort of, they, they become quite, quite ingrained in you and you think about it day and night and, you know, it becomes more of a lifestyle than um, just a job. So I think on that sort of side of it, it's, it's a challenge. Um, I don't think it's something you can ever really put down. Maybe what you're getting at is this idea of um, having kids and raising kids and things like that. But I think like something that's becoming clearer to me as I grow older in architecture is that you have your, you know, your very busy months, your very not busy months, and that happens um, in a year as well. So you have years where you're sort of like, you know, full throttle and then other years where you're not so sort of intense in what you're doing. And maybe it's just about being smart about sort of using that time wisely. If you've got a period of time which is a bit quieter, then that would be an opportunity to focus your attention maybe on other things. That's kind of just like a, a balance and everything's always a compromise in life anyway. But I don't think that if you're in a certain subject, you necessarily have to deny yourself anything. But it's maybe a little, a little bit about being smarter. For example, I was actually just having a conversation with a girlfriend about how I know some women that um, they, they choose to go off and have a baby and use that time to maybe hone certain skills which they can do at home when they've got the time off and they're not sort of really, really bogged down with a job. And I think, you know, that's quite a smart way to sort of deal with life. Okay, if, you, if you're going to take some time off to have a kid, then maybe there is something productive you can do with that time as well that's going to make you an even better uh, professional at whatever it is you're doing. What would you say you bring to the table as a female? It's always going to be essential to have men and women around a table when you're dealing with a subject that is so much about people. You can't just have one sex being able to understand the way humanity sort of operates. I think you need you, you essentially have to have both men and women at that table. But in terms of sort of more, on a more practical level, I think women certainly bring an, a, a softer element to a boardroom. Um, it's that ability to identify, I think they call it EQ. Uh, I think what women do and what women can do is they can really identify with people's feelings and the more sentimental side of things. So I think it's essential for women to be around a board table, particularly in architecture, when it is ultimately about the way people live, the way people feel, and improving people's lives. In talking to women, emotions and conversation about emotions has come up. Do you think we handle emotions differently? And if you do, how does that affect the workplace? You know, from day one, I've always been a highly sensitive, emotional character. Well, it's, it has its pros and cons, and it's something that I'm aware, I'm very, very aware of. I've become more and more aware of it because I'm quite a male-dominated industry, and there isn't really scope to let that stuff get in the way. Because at the end of the day, I mean, what this is, is it is business. Anything we do which revolves around earning money is business. So although, as I was just saying, you know, there's a human aspect, you have to understand people and all that sort of stuff, essentially boardrooms and meeting rooms is, is, is business. And I think there has to be um, a part of you that understands that there, there will be some instances where emotion is very important in some contexts where there's just really not room for it and it's not going to help you. And I think it's just being able to 
um, identify when it's relevant and when it's not relevant. And um, for someone like me, who's very, uh, very sensitive, very emotional, um, I do find it quite difficult to kind of detach from my emotions in scenarios where I am having to sort of put my business hat on. I, I don't, you know, turn into a robot by any means, but I do have to hold myself back from getting too emotionally charged about something or yeah, it doesn't help in a situation sometimes to to be, for example, aggressive or dramatic or, you know, um, upset because it's not going to um, sort of progress any kind of conversation. I, I have heard women really having to put a lot of effort into their emotional manageability. And um, on the one hand, I think it's endearing because, you know, women do try to kind of toughen up in the workplace in order to be taken seriously. But at the same time, um, it, it's that kind of femininity, I think, is really valuable in STEM subjects, particularly in architecture, which is, you know, more of a creative field as well as technical. Um, so I just think it, I think women should be allowed to display their emotional side within STEM. But w- I, in my experience anyway, um, they've really tried to ignore it, um, which I think is a real loss. What are your views on that? I think it's kind of doing it's being smart about when it's useful and when it's not useful. When I, for example, when I'm meeting um, a client to talk about their home and how they might want their house to feel like for the next 30 years, I mean, they, they appreciate a bit of sensitivity, a bit of understanding. You know, you do, want, you do genuinely want to know how their kids uh, use the house, how they go about their daily lives. But, for example, if you're discussing a contract and you're talking about money, well, it's not going to help you if you're going to cry over, you know, a few dollars. So um, I think, yeah, it's about being smart. It's about managing it. And so it's about understanding when emotion is actually relevant and when it's sort of not useful. There may be a culture where women feel like they have to be more like men in the workplace, possibly particularly in a STEM workplace. Um, what do you think it's going to take for women to just be themselves I think, yeah, in my experience of the workplace, um, I thought that it showed that I was human, even though there were certain situations where it just really didn't help me. I thought it still, at the end of the day, showed that I was still just human. And I think that that is a very uh, important quality in anyone because we are all just human and we do hurt and we do feel sad. And, you know, it's it's something that, um, you know, other people can identify with as well. And it's important. I think it's important to express it, but I'm just. I think my experience has kind of shown me that there are just some instances where it just doesn't necessarily help you, and so it would be better in those instances to, to manage it a little bit better. Do you feel where you are in your career today that you would have benefited from more female peers? I've had um, both female and male peers. Um, honestly, I wouldn't say that there's been a difference between the sexes it's just whether somebody's inspirational or not hasn't really kind of depended on whether they're male or female but for me I've never seen it as a competition I mean the only competition has always ever been with myself and I think that it hasn't really bothered me whether there have been men or women around me um I think that I don't think it's necessarily healthy to see a competition between the genders because as I said I think we all bring 
something great to the table. And if anything, we're on the same team, we're on the same side. Um, but what we do need to focus our attentions on is how best to work together to kind of like uh, optimize what we get from each other. Um, and yeah, I mean, competition, well, competition can be healthy, but it's, I don't think it should be between the sexes. And that's really encouraging because there seems to be a movement towards doing what it is you want to do. And in talking to you, I do feel a strong sense of you always following what you wanted to do. And as you said earlier, you know, even if you find it tough, it's worth pursuing because from the sounds of it, you haven't always found it easy, but you've certainly always found it worthwhile. I really enjoy it. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's just me. I, mean, I think the greatest thing about being a woman is that you do actually get to um, have a, a taste of both worlds. Like, you, you, can, you can be very much in a male world. Also, it has to be said, the world itself is becoming, you know, has, has been coming for a long time, more of a startup kind of world. People are being more entrepreneurial. There's more scope for people to set up their own companies. And I think that that's also helping with uh, women being ambitious about things like architecture. Because now, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I be an architect or I be a designer, an interior designer, I can actually do it on my own and have a, a balanced lifestyle whilst I do it. I don't necessarily have to be lost in the commercial environment, which isn't necessarily as well suited for women. Mm, and that is a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking part in this podcast. Um, I just really feel like we've talked about things that I'm going to continue to think about. But at the core of it all, I really have a sense that it's important to always just be true to yourself and what your interests are and don't be afraid of experimentation. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I mean, at the end of the day, I think something like architecture is kind of on the cusp for STEM. So if you're the kind of person that enjoys the sciences, but also has quite creative side to something like architecture is actually a really nice choice. That's it from our STEM guest this week. I feel like the conversation has really sort of raised this idea that maybe it's not a good thing to label yourself either male or female. And what's really important is to, rather than typecast yourself, to really think about where your interests lie and where your passions are and just follow that. Thank you for joining and I look forward to catching you next week on Silence. Silence.